All right, it's going to get crazy today, people. Y'all ready for some crazy? Say, oh yeah. All right, because it's getting crazy. Like I said, it's getting crazy. So we're talking about the church in its infancy after the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And we're, we're looking at these passages with some specific things in mind. Everybody with me? Say, oh yeah. All right, here we go. Yes, that's right. So here's the deal. We are not having a Bible study. We are asking, we are joining God for life change right now. That's what we're here for, right? This is not about us learning something else to put in our heads. Of course, Bible study should always be that. But this is about us taking something that God has planned for this church for this time right now. There is a purpose that God has for this body for us to be able to encounter and experience God in the way that he wants us to as a church and then also because there's something he wants to do in the community that surrounds you every day, not this community that surrounds this building, but the community that surrounds you every day, the people you live around, the people that you work around, the people that uh, are friends with your kids, the, the people that you are constantly engaging in life. There's something that God wants to do in their lives and, and so, so our theme is this. We are asking God how to become a community that blesses. And in order to be a community, first of all, we need, that needs redefining. A biblical community is not the way that most of us have, biblical community is not the way that most of us have been living our, our Christian life. And we're discovering that as we walk through the scriptures. Of course, I've been discovering it through the years anyway because God's been challenging me, question, you know, constantly convicting me of sin in my own life, of selfishness, of self-centeredness, of wanting things my way, of taking control and being in control of my life and, and limiting how I relate to people within the body. And, man, we're finding out that that's exactly the opposite of what this community is experiencing in the book of Acts. Now, why the book of Acts? Well, because God said, first of all, so let's get that out there. But second of all, why would God put us in the book of Acts? And I think it's because, again, here is a church in its infancy. They're, it's pure. They don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. They, just, they are just experiencing the Holy Spirit. And the experiences that they're having with the Holy Spirit are causing this, it's, it's put within them this desire to have more of the Holy Spirit demonstrated in their lives. So they are submitting themselves every moment of every day to the, to the moment-by-moment promptings of the Holy Spirit, and it and it's radically changing the way they do life with each other. And, and that's drawing a watching community in because they're seeing the Holy Spirit. They're seeing God manifested in the lives of believers, which was God's plan from the beginning. So we've seen some crazy stuff going on, right, since the beginning of this. We see, we see the disciples speaking in unknown tongues. And, well, first of all, we today see visible tongues of fire descending on them visibly saw and felt the Holy Spirit, the mighty wind in the, in the upper room. And then Peter, the most unlikely of people, stands up and preaches, and, and, uh, and, and the, the apostles are sharing, and everybody's hearing the message in their own tongue, which is incredible. That, that, that's weird stuff, right? But, but the Holy Spirit's doing this, and the Holy Spirit had already, the timing was perfect. He had already drawn around them the people that, that needed to hear the message, so that the message could be spread out to all the, all the nations. They're all drawn into Jerusalem to hear this message, and God did that. The Holy Spirit drew them in, and, the, and then they're all cut to their hearts by the Holy Spirit, convicted about stuff they'd never been convicted about before, convicted about the truth that Jesus was the Christ and that he is alive and, he, and that the Spirit wants to come and live in their lives, and then they experience that. And, and if you're a believer, you have experienced that. But I think we have watered that down so much that one of two things is true in most mainstream evangelical churches, particularly of our denomination, is that we have, we have gotten so heady about theology that we forget about the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. He is God living in us. And, and we have no expectations of, of being able to, to hear and, and be led by and Guided by the Holy Spirit of God, even though Jesus made it very clear that this is what he was going to do for us. 
We, we, don't, we, we misinterpret all of that, and so we don't expect anything. And so we just think it's all about just coming together and ha- huddling up and having another Bible study and going in small groups during the week and having another Bible study. And we don't realize that the Holy Spirit is wanting to transform us into a community that will bless the surrounding community, to draw people to himself. And so there's been some challenges that we faced, some crazy stuff that they did following their salvation in baptism was that they began to sell possessions and give to each other as they had need and downsizing their own uh, stuff in order to upsize some of the needy people around them and helping each other. And they, they, nobody had need, the Bible said. And the number continues to increase to, from 3,000 to daily being added to them, those that are being saved, and then 5,000 when Peter and John are arrested. And the numbers is increasing by thousands, and the, the text has told us that still they were all committed to giving their stuff away. And no, nobody considered their possessions to be their own. That's crazy stuff, right? So when I say today is going to get crazy, you know it's going to be crazy, right? If it's crazier than that stuff. But this is, it's not crazy when the Holy Spirit, here's what I know has been happening with you. Same thing has been happening with me. I'm so excited for the Holy Spirit to start telling me and showing me how this applies to my life. And, and he is manifesting himself in my life, in my wife's life, as we are trying to flesh out what does this mean for, for us personally, you know, what, God, what do you want us to do? And we, and the Holy Spirit's been speaking. You know, we, uh, most of you know that we are downsizing our house. We're selling our house and we're buying a, a very, very small house uh, and getting totally out of debt, which I never even considered this before, but the Lord's been convicting us about that, not in a negative way. We're excited about it. I've never seen Talitha, which I'm shocked, not because she's not a good person, but this is the house she grew up in that we live in. She, we, we bought it from her parents and we raised our kids there. And yet, Talitha, she's on vacation and sending me posts and pictures of what God's been speaking to her. She writes everything down, puts little colorful pictures and paintings. And so she has all these little tiny houses. She draws a house every time God speaks to that. And her, her devotions over the last week of vacation have been house after house after house after house. You need to let her show it to you. It's crazy. But that's, that's what these people are experiencing. They're, they're not doing what they're doing reluctantly. They're not having to be forced and convinced and, and have somebody step on their toes and preach to them a hard sermon to, to get them to walk in this. This is what the Holy Spirit does when he has a surrendered community that's willing to submit themselves to him. So, man, I want that, don't you? I want us to be, I want us to join God and become that. Now, last week, there's been three things the Lord has, uh, three different uh, times the Lord has been speaking clearly and strongly about this idea of leaders rising up from the congregation. See, so y'all, y'all with me? I got steps. I can come down if I have to. All right. So at the conference that, we, that Talitha and I went to in Chicago, man, it, clearly the Lord spoke that we, there, were some, there were some leaders in this group that needed to be challenged to step up to the next level. What's the next level of the gathering place? We don't do anything but simple stuff, right? We abide in Christ. We bless people, which is our means of, it's beginning with prayer, listening to them, eating with them, serving them, and then sharing the gospel as God gives us an opportunity. And then community, committing to community, to this body, to being here, to hear the word of God for our body, and and to fellowship with believers, and to speak into people's lives in the whole community of believers. It's called the Gathering Place West. But then also to commit to small groups where we flesh out what God spoke on Sunday and say, this is how I'm applying it to my life and, and I need accountability in these ways and I'm going to challenge y'all in these ways and, and we're fleshing out what it means for us particularly. And so that's it. That, that is what the gathering place is. I mean, it's not complicated. And yet, you know and I know that last year we focused on our ABCs and the year ended with, with the same broken record in life groups and in testimonies of people, personal com- comments to me and questions for prayer or requests for prayer were all tied around. I just can't seem to get alone with God and have time in his word. I just, it just seems like everything in the world is fighting against me. And guess what? What? It is. Because this is Satan's domain. Everything in the world is fighting against you to just abide in Christ. Because he knows if you know God by experience through obedience... That's going to radically change your life. 
your perception of him is going to change, and then you're going to become surrendered to him because you know him. Not just know him in your brain. You know him because you have obeyed him, and you see how he blesses you and how he changes you and how good he is. So we, can't, we just haven't been able to do it. And if I asked you right now, is there somebody in your life that you are intentionally blessing? That means you are praying for them, listening to them, eating with them, serving them, and looking for an opportunity and following the Holy Spirit's prompting for a time by his prompting alone when you will share your story, share the gospel with them. Are you doing that? Broken record last year. No, 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 no. And I know, I know, I, I, I struggle too. And then committing to community. It seems like when we started this series on community, you know, we, were, we, we had to go into the fellowship hall because everything got flooded. Praise God for that because it, it was really sweet, wasn't it? When we were together in that little tight space and we felt like a community while we were talking about community. But it seems like since that time, we've had less commitment to community. Less people coming to worship and, and being a part of the congregation and coming early with intention of blessing people and taking care of people and, and less people in life groups and more and more excuses of why we can't be there. And, and listen, hear me right. I'm, there's no guilt trip here, right? We're done with guilt, right? Okay, we're not doing with guilt, but guilt is not our motivator. I'm not trying to talk you into doing something you're not feeling, but I know you're feeling this, so we need to start walking in it. And, and God's already given us the Holy Spirit to empower us to do that. It, it can get us beyond the excuses, but we need that. Okay, that's it. So I've asked you to pray about stepping up to the next level as a result of that conference. To say, are there 20 people in this congregation that say, I, I really want to press in and get past the walls that are stopping me from doing, from abiding, blessing, and doing community. I want to get past the excuses. And if you're one of those people, right now there's 12 that I have names of that said, I want this. And I'm going to help, and I'm willing to spend as many hours as I need to. You, uh, this, is, this is my 40-hour week if I have 40 people that would be willing to do this. That we would spend an hour together just to talk about the difficulties you're having with your ABCs. The only thing I have to give to you are stories. I have my own stories. I have a lot more stories than you have of trying to flesh this out and failure after failure after failure. And success. And then failure, 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 failure. Success. Right? So I have those stories to tell. I want you to have your own stories. That's what's going to make us an effective community that blesses other people is when we have our own stories to tell, and they're real and personal, and they make sense, and they, they flesh, they, there's God in the flesh for your friends and the people that live around you, okay? So that's what we're after. So I come home from that conference with all that in my mind, and then I go to the text for last Sunday, and last Sunday was all about the disciples who were walking, the apostles were walking with God, preaching the gospel, sharing the good news, and then all of a sudden, a, a conflict arose, and, and Satan brought in conflict that the widows of the Hellenistic Jews were not being taken care of, and then here we go, right? Every church I've ever been in, here it comes. Everything's going fine, growing, God's moving and working, and then here comes conflict. And then somebody on one of the sides doesn't listen to the Holy Spirit anymore, and now they start focusing on conflict and pulling people on their side. And we have factions and division, but not so last week. The apostles moved quickly, and they called from among the congregation 20 leaders. It wasn't 20, but they called leaders, okay? Same stuff God's calling us to do right now. This is us in the text. They called out leaders and said, we don't need to stop preaching the gospel. It would be wrong for us to stop preaching the gospel. And so we need you to choose from among yourselves men who are of good re report or reputation, who are full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. Call them out and bring them uh, and give them the responsibility of taking care of this. More important, you know, or equally important as the apostles' ministry was the, apostles, was the ministry of these men that would be called out from the congregation, by the congregation. So I'm, I'm calling you out. You know, I, I can't do, the, the elders can't do everything that we need to do that needs to be done in this community. It's not our responsibility. It's like, we need to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so I'm going to be out there doing it. And part of the way I'm going to equip is you're going to watch me and hear me, and I'm going to have my own stories to tell, not stale old stories from the past, but I'm going to have fresh stories 
from the present because God is that kind of God. He's not, I know that because he does it every week. God will be speaking, God will be blessing, and God will be uh, helping me to commit to community. And so we'll have stories to tell. So what happens when a godly person really goes after God? We're going to see somebody rise up from the congregation in a, in a day. Today we're going, to, we're going to looking at Stephen, who rises up. He is one of the ones chosen from among the congregation, by the congregation, who has had the right qualifications. We're going to look at these characteristics of this kind of leader. And, and I'm going to ask you today to judge yourself by these characteristics. And if you don't have these, then I would challenge you to ask the Lord to produce these in your life. Because we're fixing to find a guy rise up from the congregation and become an example to the apostles. He's a nobody until this moment. And I believe that one of the main purposes that God has us in this study today is so that you can realize you can't exclude yourself from leadership. You can't excuse yourself from being one of those exemplary disciples that, that God has in this passage. All right, so here we go. Quickly, we're going to go through Acts chapter 6, verses 8 to 15. And the story of Stephen. Here we go. And Stephen, verse 8, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and of those from Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We've heard him speak blasphemous words seek, uh, against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against the, this holy place and the law. For we've heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. All right, let's stop there for a minute and tear that apart. Here's some characteristics of a good leader. Ready? Write these down because you need to judge yourself by these. If you've got something to write down, put it on your phone. Here's some things to judge yourself about, to ask yourself, am I, do I have these characteristics? This is an exemplary leader that is, we're going to find is, is going to be leading the apostles after one day of being chosen by the congregation. Number one, good repute. Talked about it last week. All these men, Stephen was among the ones that was chosen in last week's message who said he had good repute, which is a strong reputation with those inside and outside the church. When people looked at Stephen, they said, man, that's a good guy. He's just a good guy. He treats people selflessly. He's loving and caring. He gives grace to people. He's a, he's, he is a minister, and he's not a minister. He's what ministers should be, that guy. He was full of the Spirit. What does it mean to be full of the Spirit? If you have the Spirit, you have all the Spirit, right? But full of the Spirit means that you're, you are allowing the Holy Spirit to have access to, you are surrendered to the Holy Spirit in all areas of your life. A.W. Tozer in his book, How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit, said, body and mind and life and heart, taking the whole personality over, gently but directly and bluntly, and making it his, so that we may become a habitation of God through the Spirit. This is is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. It is mind, body, life, heart, personality, everything that you are surrenders to the Holy Spirit. So here's a guy that's coming from among the people, chosen by the people. They see these characteristics in him, and they're saying this guy is full of the Holy Spirit. He, everything he does seems to be led by somebody other than himself, and it looks a lot like Jesus. Because all of him was surrendered to the Holy Spirit, who is Jesus. So he's looking like Christ. So ask yourself, are you full of the Spirit? What areas of your life have you not yielded to the Spirit? If you're not abiding blessing and doing community uh, with, with intention and passion and drive, 
then you, you need to ask the Lord to give you this. To make you full of the Spirit. Where you surrender every aspect of your, of your life to the Holy Spirit. And then he was full of wisdom. All of these men that were chosen were full of wisdom. Which is the capacity to understand and as a result, act wisely. It's more than just mind stuff. It's filled with wisdom. Wisdom is, is, is knowledge that comes from experience, right? If a man is wise, he's usually in, in his old age. He, or we say he's wise beyond his years because years are usually what produces wisdom for us. And so Stephen is full of wisdom. And wisdom, according to Proverbs 1.7, uh, comes the beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of God. This respect for, which we've already talked about, this respect for God that the apostles had to the point where they were willing to adjust, again, every aspect of their life to God. How dare I, from Stephen's voice, not mine, how dare I not walk in what the Spirit's leading me to do? That's fear, respect for the Holy Spirit, and it it results in wisdom. So we see those characteristics. And then verse 8, we see a few more. Our text today, in the first verse, it said, And Stephen full of grace and power. What a, man, what a great combination. Power used to give blessings to those that don't deserve it. He was full of grace and power. He had the power to be able to, to give to people whatever they needed. And that wisdom and all that stuff, that just, whether it was stuff that they needed or whether it was wisdom that they needed, he had that to give. And he gave it with grace. He gave it to people that didn't deserve it. People who were even against him, he gives grace to. In just a minute, we're going to see how he gives grace to, like Jesus. Again, the characteristics are so much like Christ because it is Christ in him that's doing this. That he gives to those who are accusing him forgiveness and love and a message from Christ. And then it says also that he was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Who's been doing those signs and wonders up to this point? Who? Say it out loud. The apostles. They've been doing the signs and wonders because that takes, that, that results from a deep knowledge of God by experience. It, it, it results from spending lots of time or at least being very open and surrendered to God for a very short period of time. And here's this, this nobody who is now doing great signs and wonders, submitting himself again to the congregation. And he's doing it among the people. So these characteristics are the characteristics, again, of Jesus, and they've been seen in the apostles. And now, here we go, a a deacon who's just been chosen to serve the the widows has the same qualifications. And I want to say this again today, because here, y'all with me? Don't miss this. Because some of you are thinking, well, I'm not that that apostle. Yes, here's a nobody coming out of the congregation. He's a deacon, and he has the same qualifications that the apostles have. He has all the same stuff. It's, there's no writing this off for any, anybody in our church, anybody that's under the hearing of this message. If you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you are qualified for this. <clears throat> so same qualifications, but he had a different calling, right? His calling was to serve the widows. Paul's call, uh, Peter's calling was to preach. The gospel and the apostles, that was their, their calling. Same characteristics, same power, same Holy Spirit, different calling. That's all that was different. So it doesn't matter what you do. You are as responsible for what you do as I am for what I do. Do it well. Do it under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Submit it completely. Surrender to the Holy Spirit's leadership. All right, and then in verse 9, we see that he gets the same response out of the enemy that the apostles were getting whenever they were walking and talking in the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and those from Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. No surprises here, right, church? We've had a year of in, spending time in the Gospels talking about Jesus and his encounter with people. Never a good encounter with religious leaders. And so it's no surprise that they rise up. But who are these Jewish leaders? These were the free men, okay? They were all in bondage, in Roman uh, bondage. Uh, it, they'd been slaves in the Roman Empire. And they, they held to their beliefs, and they, were, and they suffered because of their, belie- their religious beliefs. 
They held to their religious practices as much as they could, and they suffered because of their religious beliefs. Paul would ultimately suffer the same kinds of sufferings that these Jews were suffering. And so as a result, what happens when when you're passionate about something and it's in your heart and you're so passionate about it, whatever it is, and you're passionate about it and you are determined to stay your course and someone comes in and says and puts pressure on you to turn the other direction? You don't give up if you're passionate about it. It It gives you more resolve. And ultimately, you'd be willing to die for that cause. Well, these Jewish freedmen, when they were in bondage in Rome, it just strengthened their resolve to have this persecution from the Roman Empire. And so they're strong in their beliefs. And so they're determined to fight any movement that would rise up against their views. And so they had, and and there were several synagogues in Jerusalem and a lot of the big cities, there would be several synagogues that would be designated uh, are arranged according to nationalities. So he lists all these nationalities in this passage. So they're, they're all rising up against and opposing the, uh, what these leaders are doing and what Stephen is saying. And so they had resolve and passion to fight well. And so Satan got to his best. He, he found his best enemies or his best combats, combatives against the gospel of Christ. So, another characteristic of the Holy Spirit shows up in Stephen's life as a result. It's the fruit, by the way, of all these other characteristics. And that is he has steadfast, a steadfast disposition. Well, listen, we need to hear this. Y'all ready, church? They, they threw all these false accusations. I'm not going to read them again. All these false accusations. They gathered false witnesses. All these same things they did against Jesus. Remember his, his trial. They, got, they tried to. They couldn't even gather any witnesses. Jesus had to be his own witness. You know, they didn't, they didn't have uh, any witnesses that had the same stories, which is, is beautiful, by the way, because Jesus was crucified because he wanted to be. He, was, he testified and said he was the Christ, knowing they would crucify him for it because nobody else could have anything that they could accuse him for and have the same stories. He did that on purpose. But here they have the same thing happening. They're gathering Again, it looks so much like Jesus, right? They're gathering all these false accusations. But look at his disposition in verse 15. I love this. You know, all these accusations. You know what I would have been doing? I'm just saying, no, I didn't do that, really. They're liars. I've been defending myself, right? But look at what it says here. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Would that be your face? It wouldn't have been my face. Man, it would have been... This face of a devil is what it had been. But here you got Stephen, man, a man full of wisdom and grace and mercy and power and, um, and love. And he's, he has this un, unchanging disposition. I love that. It's a challenge to us. Another characteristic that's seen in Stephen is that was also seen in the apostles. Uh, he seizes an opportunity given by these Jewish leaders. <laughs> To speak the truth. Remember Paul, I mean Peter, just a few weeks ago. Peter is seized and he's brought before the council. And all the apostles are brought before the council. And, and he speaks and, and he shares the gospel. It's like, oh yeah, we got an opportunity. Dude, you're fixing to be beaten, okay? Yeah, but I got an opportunity. That's crazy stuff. Stephen has the same opportunity. And I'm not going to read the whole sermon this morning. Let me hit just a couple of things. Of highlights. Look at it in chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. If you want to read the whole sermon, it's great, it's beautiful. But he does the same things that Peter's been doing in his sermons. Look at it. And the high priest said, are these things so? And Stephen said, brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. And Okay, so that's where he starts, and on he goes. He starts drawing on their spiritual history. Remember, every time Peter preaches, he's bringing out, he, he brings all these uh, patriarchs into the, into the story. This is what was predicted. See, this is what everything's been pointing to. Listen to me, people. Listen, Steve, you know, Stephen's saying, look, let me tell you what's happening. And he goes all the way back to Abraham. 
And before he's done, he speaks about Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David. He traces their history and reminds them of their historic rebellion against God. He's following the same pattern that Peter did when he preached. Why is that? The same source. Everybody get that? It's the same source. What I'm saying here should be the same as every other pastor is saying. What I'm preaching here should be the same story that every other pastor is saying if they're speaking to you. It's the same source. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, speaking through us, the same words. The only thing that messes that up is when, the, when we become the high priest and we want, words, we want our words to be spoken and we want to build something for ourselves. But this is what happens when someone is surrendered to the Holy Spirit. They know to speak. They know when to speak. They look, look for an opportunity to speak, even in the face of opposition. Now, this story with Stephen ends differently than the rest. And in its ending, there's a final characteristic that we're going to see in Stephen. And this is what makes him an exemplary disciple. That's why I chose that title. He is the example in, in the church. He is going to take it where no one else has taken it. He's going to get crazy in his commitment to Christ. He's going to get crazy in his simple surrendering to the Holy Spirit's guidance in his life. He's going to do something nobody has done to this point since the Holy Spirit came. Different ending. Let's look at it. Acts chapter 7, verses 54 to 60. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged. These are the religious leaders. And they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. All right, let me just not pass that phrase up. But he, full of what? Who? He, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. So he, the heavens open up and he gets this vision, this, this picture of Jesus sitting next to his Father. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. They crowd out with a loud voice and they stopped up their ears. No! And started shouting so they wouldn't have to hear him say anything else and they started rushing him. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice. See if this sounds familiar. Lord, do not hold this sin against him. In his last breath, as he's being stoned to death by people who are in opposition to him, he cries out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. That is not a man speaking. That is the Holy Spirit who's gotten hold of a man, a man who's absolutely surrendered and will take it all the way to the end. And when he had said this, the Bible says he fell asleep or he died. Listen. Remember all the other times that apostles are preaching to religious leaders, they're still amazed and bewildered and, 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 uh, and filled with awe and wonder. They were done listening and being amazed. These religious leaders went right where the enemy would take them. They reached their limit. And Stephen still continues to speak. He couldn't help but speak as all the other apostles couldn't. He continues to speak and the Holy Spirit allows the leaders to take Stephen's life. Stephen's preaching this message of the resurrection and ascension and, and, and speaking that he's actually seeing Christ at the right hand of God. Can you imagine how offensive that was? to these religious leaders who didn't believe in Christ, didn't believe in the resurrection. And he says, no, it's true. So this final characteristic of a leader in a spirit-filled community is death for Christ. Is death for the cause of Christ, death by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, continuing to speak until death comes. Whatever comes, I'm willing to take it. And, and this becomes an example for all the apostles. It would seem right that the first one that would die for the cause would be Peter, right? He seems to be leading the cause up to this point. But Peter's not the first one to die for the cause. It's this guy that just showed up yesterday and was chosen by the people because they knew he was filled with the spirit and wisdom and, and, and had great reputation with everybody. He's the man that needs to be, he's the first one mentioned in the previous verses. 
to be a deacon, to serve these widows, because he fits all these qualifications. Okay, well, we know Stephen. Now let's think about some other ones. Immediately, they pull Stephen out of the hat. He's that kind of guy. And he goes all the way in a day to death, to being stoned to death for the cause of Christ. So he's an example now for the rest of the apostles and for us, for humanity. He's just like Christ who set his face toward Jerusalem, even though the apostles said, no, if you go there, they're going to kill you. Don't go there. Everybody tried to talk him out of it, but he set his face toward Jerusalem. He was determined to be obedient to his father no matter what. And the same Jesus has inhabited Stephen in the form of the Holy Spirit and is doing the same thing in a surrendered body. All the apostles eventually would need this example to know how to face death when it came to them. And all, of this, all the apostles except for John died as martyrs for the cause of Christ. Why? Because of a nobody who stood up, who was called by the people out of the congregation, who the congregation said, you're full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and you're a godly man. Walk, lead us. And so he leads them for a day. All but John would die proclaiming the gospel, and John would be exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Paul, this is so sweet, people. Listen, Paul, who's in, who is against the church, who's leading this cause, he won't even get his hands dirty because he's too smug. He's the man standing back, giving approval. And then later on, he starts, we'll, see, we'll get to this passage, but he's, a, he's an opponent of the cause of Christ. He's standing there with all these cloaks laying at his feet, giving approval to the death of Stephen. And Paul would ultimately follow the example of Stephen. You want to talk about changing a community? Let's get surrendered to the cause of Christ to the point of death. We probably won't have to die, but you know, we're going to have to die some in our lives. There's some death that needs to happen now in order for 20 people to rise up or 40 or 80 or whatever whatever would rise up and get over that wall of those hurdles that Satan keeps putting in our paths. We need to die to ourselves and push into the cause of Christ. Be the community that God's calling us to be for the sake of the cause of Christ. And even those that oppose us, We'll have an opportunity not only to believe, but maybe one day they'll give up their lives for the cause of Christ. Paul, who watched this death, gave approval to it, ultimately would follow his example and die after doing what Stephen did, what Jesus did, and setting his face toward Rome and going all the way to Rome to be able to speak to the Roman emperor about about who Christ was. The same determination would get him killed. Man, I'm passionate about this. It's exciting to me to think about the fact that maybe there's some people in our congregation that are ready to do that. Look at the results. God allowed it because it would move this message forward. Stephen was willing to give his life because the Holy Spirit had something to accomplish, but he didn't know what the Holy Spirit was doing. But look at the results in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Now, wait, that's not the kind of ending we've been having, right? That doesn't sound like God's doing something. That doesn't sound like the Holy Spirit has a cause that he's accomplishing. And in the eyes of of the opposition, and I'm sure in the eyes of even some of the believers, they were wondering, what's going on? But look at verse 2. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. It's time for the church to scatter. It's time for the church to go back to their regions, to go take the message of Christ. And this, with this bold example of Stephen as their final exemplary disciple. They would say, we know what it means to live for Christ. We, we've experienced the Holy Spirit. We know what it means to walk in the Holy Spirit. We know what his promptings feel like. We know what it means to, to sacrifice things, to be selfless, even to the point of death, and now they're ready. And it was God's way of getting the church out of Jerusalem and back into the world. But they carried with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word went with them. Church was scattered, and the word was spread around to the regions of Judea and Samaria, according to the scriptures. I mean, it probably confused the people when the Holy Spirit, and we need to hear this, 
It probably confused the people when on one day, picture it, the, Holy, the, the people were challenged by the apostles to pray and choose from among them men who would, were of good repute, full of wisdom, full of the Spirit, and then they immediately choose Stephen, the obvious one, and that's by, led by the Holy Spirit. They're all in agreement. He is one. And then the next day, he is stoned to death. Let's not pass that little secret, uh, that little experience up. Have there ever been times when God's called you to do something, you know it was God, and you did it, and the results seemed like it was the total opposite of what you expected? You had these expectations of what God was doing, and, and then he told you to do something, and you followed his will, and you get in the middle of it, and it looks like everything's falling to pieces? We need this story today. That's happening for some of you right now. It seems like everything's falling to pieces, and what we expected to happen didn't happen. And we want to say that, where's God? Where's the Holy Spirit go? We need to trust in the, in the Holy Spirit that we find in the book of Acts and in the life of Stephen, that the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. Don't disconnect from the Holy Spirit when life starts going bad. Don't say, well, I've been doing good stuff. Why is my life falling apart? This is not a yin-yang kind of experience. We don't believe that. You don't get what you deserve. We are walking in and being guided by the Holy Spirit who knows what he's doing and he knows where he's going and he knows what he has planned for this body and for the community outside this body. And we need to trust in the Holy Spirit. So the only way that's going to happen is when we start abiding in him, having more encounters with him where we experience that and we have, we have these characteristics that Stephen has. And you can have that and I challenge you to have that but God knew what he was doing. Holy Spirit said to choose him a deacon, and now he's gone. But there's some greater things going on as a result. He would be the exemplary disciple for all those that were in Jerusalem, including Paul, Peter, and all the apostles, who would all die for the cause of Christ, who would all press in when their time came to be just like Stephen, a nobody who rose up from the congregation. There's also a redefining of kingdoms and adjustment of priorities that happens. There's a redefining of kingdoms. When you start thinking about the fact, if, why would God allow bad things to happen to good people? Why would God take the best leader we have and take him home? That, that causes you to shift priorities if, if you're like me. It causes you to, to, to realize that we don't live our lives. We, we don't need to be spending our lives as believers in this world's kingdom. You know, there's all kinds of scriptures that we have in the Gospels that, that point us, in the New Testament that points us to another kingdom, put, laying our treasures in heaven and not on the earth where moth will destroy and rust will, you know, rust will destroy and moths will kill. We're not about building this kingdom on earth, but it seems like we are. Y'all with me? It seems like some of us need some adjustments to what we're doing. I needed a major adjustment to what I'm doing with my time and money. I needed to, to, to ask the Holy Spirit to, to, to lead me and, and to surrender myself to something that seemed hard at first, and now it seems exciting. I can't wait to, to watch how he fulfills this. But, you know, there's so much in my life that's still under my own control, and I, I'm living for myself, and I'm living for, this, for things in this world instead of living for the kingdom of God that is also on the earth and, and bringing people into the kingdom of God so that they have something after this life. It shifts our, our kingdom focus. We change kingdoms, and, so, and when we change kingdoms, we change priorities. This life is not what's important. You know, we've, Bethany would tell you that her struggles with cancer, she came to the point in this struggle, she knew it already, but she knows it firsthand now, that this, king, this world is not what we're about. It changes your priorities when this world looks like it's about gone. Well, then we got another priority, right? We're going to start living for the other kingdom that we're a part of. And so, man, when Stephen dies, everybody's thinking, okay, if God took him, I wonder if we've got our focus in the wrong place. God must be doing something different. I hope the Holy Spirit will make that make sense to you and get deep in your soul. 
the redefining of kingdoms and adjustments of priorities will come because of what happened. That's one of the results that came is because of what happened with Stephen. All these apostles who were strong men of God certainly were risking their lives. They, they now know that whatever they do in this life, Paul says it well, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I have nothing in this world. To die is gain. Let's just go, right? And the closer I get to the Lord, the more I don't want to be in this world other than I want to bring some more people with me. And I know that I haven't been there all my life. The older I get, the more closer I get to that because there's a lot of pain in areas of my body that I don't like. But Paul says it well, and I'll close with this. Here's, here's our challenge. Read this and study it this week. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Share with you again. I always like to tell you this, but this morning when we were reading the Moravian readings with the worship team prior to their rehearsal, this text was there. God wants you to hear this today, okay? So don't, don't write it off. This is the text, the final text that you need to take with you. Here's the way we do it. Here's our challenge from Paul, starting with verse 5. I'm sorry, verse 5, yeah. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts and give, to give us a light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. There's that knowledge. That's what we saw in the face of Stephen. It was the knowledge of the glory of God that he gained by his experiences of obedience to God and his, the workings of God in his life. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Everybody knew that was not Stephen. That's God in Stephen. He's, he is full of the Holy Spirit. And, and they will know that about us. So here it is. We were afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. This is always, every day, every moment, we're having to die to ourselves and our, and our fleshly desires and the, our default mode of living, our old patterns of living that have died and been crucified with Christ so that the life of Jesus might be manifested in our bodies. Same thing for, that happened with Stephen. We need to die. and you know, We might have to die physically. You probably won't. Probably nobody here will die for the cause of Christ. But we need to start dying daily to those things that our bodies keep pushing us to do, our, that our flesh keeps saying, these are things of value. Keep doing these things. Keep walking in, in disobedience. And we need to walk in obedience to Christ, walk in the light so that Jesus might be manifested in our bodies. That's, it's only going to happen. This is the feeling of the Holy Spirit, dying to self, living, according, living in a surrendered life to the Holy Spirit. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. I love that. You know, we just did a study, a year study on Jesus and his char- the characteristics and, and all of his qualities, and we're seeing this exact same quality show up in the Holy Spirit through people. This is not Stephen. This is the Holy Spirit. This is not going to be the apostles. It's the Holy Spirit. And we have the same Holy Spirit living in us. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Paul says, we are dying so that you can live. We're dying so you can see Christ. We're dying so you can have the life that Christ has for you. We're giving you an example so that you can follow See what it's like to follow Christ. What, what kind of life comes from obedience to him. So it's a twist for us. It's a different ending. It's a different story. It's a challenge for everybody that's here. Everybody. Here's my fear. We'll walk out today. Satan will disrupt our thought processes and get us away from this message as quickly as possible. You won't do any time this week thinking about what we've talked about. You won't be evaluating yourself based on these things. You won't be asking the Holy Spirit to do these things in you. 
You will be, you'll be out, zoned out. You'll have problems, issues that will come in, distractions, all that stuff. And, if, and, and Satan will keep you distracted long enough that you will never think about this again until I bring it up in another message. Please don't do that. This is huge, man. Here's our example. Here's an exemplary disciple. This is the one right now in the book of Acts that we need to follow. This is the one that the rest of the apostles are going to follow. This is the one that Paul, who wrote over half the New Testament, are going to follow. This is the first one to step up with the Holy Spirit in his life and go down for the cause of Christ. I so badly want that for us. I so badly want that for this community. This community needs to know that religion, that a relationship with God is more than religion. This community needs to know that passion for Christ is different than passion for church. This, religion needs to, this community needs to know that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. They need to see Jesus, not us. They need to be drawn to him, not us. We need to point them to him. And here's how we do it. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with these characteristics. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would have your way in our lives, in this body. <clears throat> Father, I pray that you would fill us, each one of us, with your Holy Spirit, knowing what that means, knowing that we need to die to some things in order for that to happen. I pray for this body, and I pray with this body that you would do that in our lives, that you would make us people of good reputation inside and outside this body. Father, that you would fill us with the wisdom, the capacity to understand, as, as a result, act wisely in the community that we're around, that your Holy Spirit would give us grace and power, a beautiful combination that allows us to bless others. Lord, that you would fill us with the ability to do signs and wonders as you would have us to do them by your leadership. Father, that you would give us a resolve and passion to fight Satan because we know he's going to bring all kinds of opposition against us. Father, that our disposition will not even change in the slightest as we are opposed. That they would still see the face of an angel when they look at our faces. Father, that you would give us a word to speak like you did Stephen. That we would speak boldly. That we couldn't help but speak because of our, the, the fullness of our hearts. And that your spirit would speak through us even to those that oppose us. Give us words to say that would help people to make sense of their, their own history and how you fit into their history. And Father, give us the resolve to die to those things that we've not yet died to. God, it, it could even change those who are ki- trying to kill us. And we just want to die to ourselves. It's so hard, God, but we're tired of excuses. As a body, we want, want you to take those excuses away and give us the resolve to walk with you. And we commit to that today as a body. In Jesus' name.